Welcome to Talking New Energy, a podcast from Delta EE, the new energy experts. We'll be talking about how the energy transition is developing across Europe, with guests who are working at the leading edge of this transition. Hello, and welcome to the episode. Bill Gates wrote recently, uh, in an essay for graduate students around the world, about three fields that he'd spend all of his energy and passion on if he was starting his career again and wanted to make a big impact in the world. The three sectors were artificial intelligence, clean energy, and biosciences. Today, we're focusing on the two of those three, artificial intelligence and, of course, clean energy. Exploring how AI is being used in the energy transition today and how it's going to be used in more and more in the future. The Google CEO, Sundar Pichai, says, artificial intelligence is one of the most profound things we're working on as humanity. It's more profound than fire or electricity. And the last quote of my introduction from famous physicist and author Stephen Hawking, success in creating AI would be the biggest event in human history. But he does add a cautionary note. Unfortunately, it might also be the last unless we learn how to avoid the risks. So from those quotes, um, and uh, I think most of you will agree in general, AI is going to have a a huge impact on every industrial sector. And energy will be the same. It's already playing a role in the energy transition. And today, I'm joined by three guests to get below these big scene-setting quotes I've just shared with you and do what talking new energy does best, get under the skin of exactly how the energy transition is unfolding and how AI is being used. So let's introduce my guests. Um, First, Dave Boundy, who's Chief Technology Officer and General Manager at Europe at Innowatz, a software as a service provider to utilities. Before that, Dave had a long career at Intel, including leading global teams focused on AI and the Internet of Things. Hello, Dave. Hi, John. Pleasure to be here. Thanks, and thanks for joining us, Dave. Uh, Dave, can you start by giving us an elevator pitch on Innowatz, uh, who you are, what you do? Be delighted, yeah. Uh, Innowatz is uh, an AI-enabled SaaS company. Uh, we provide a platform that enables energy retailers and network operators to uh, provide uh, do actionable insights based on analysis of their data. Uh, to date, we've uh, ingested over 40 million meters worth of data with customers based in uh, four continents around the world. Uh, and we're you know, key to our product is to enhance the gross margin of the retailers and network operators whilst improving the customer engagement and experience with working with energy systems and improving the sustainability of the overall energy system. Okay, so you're you're taking advantage, or maybe that's the wrong way to say it, but you're creating value from those uh, huge amounts of data that are, are coming out of the energy sector now. And can you give our listeners an example of how you're using artificial intelligence in doing that? Sure. Um, in terms of our platform, uh, as I mentioned, we're ingesting data from our customers. Typically, it's meter level data. So we're taking maybe data from within the network itself. So it could be SCADA data, it could be uh, smart meter data from residential 
buildings uh, or, or commercial and industrial settings. We take that information, we combine it with lots of other data sets um, and analyze it to identify different insights. And they may range from uh, providing highly accurate uh, load forecasts through to risk management uh, and through to a customer engagement. And the customer engagement, for example, might be that we're looking at the energy patterns and identifying suitable products that would uh, help the customer improve their uh, carbon intensity um, or uh, help the customer manage their overall electricity consumption. Okay, so using AI to create insights from those huge volumes of data that you're uh, you're being fed from fed to uh, from utilities. Uh, thanks, Dave. We'll come back to you shortly. Uh, my second guest is Geraldine McBride, CEO at MyWave. Now, loyal listeners may remember Geraldine from our first ever episode of Talking New Energy. Welcome back, Geraldine. Great to be back. Good to see you today. So, Geraldine, when we talked uh, over whatever a year ago, we were talking about MyWave's work with auto switching. Um, today, we're looking more generally at AI, but can you give us a refresher on MyWave, who you are and what you do? Yes, well, we, we're also working in the field of, uh, of AI, and we've been doing that for the last um, five years. Um, and um, we've actually evolved quite significantly from um, auto switching. So auto switching was one of the first applications we we did when we came into uh, the UK. But since then, we've also advanced the technology further to help energy companies uh, service their customers better. So we've now become a global uh, technology partner with SAP. So we have been endorsed and certified by them. Um, we are uh, essentially got an intelligent brain-based data model that learns about the customers and energy companies now are able to use that to be able to make sure that their customers are on the right energy plans, uh, to help um, make sure that they are giving them the right plan before they switch, so preventing uh, customers from switching away. Uh, they're being used in what we call smart guided selling which means that many energy companies are getting into quad plays, triple plays, trying to sort of um, create a deeper, broader relationship. So we are actually bringing um, uh, the right types of um, offers and the right types of services to those customers in their homes. Um, and then the other side of it is smart customer service, which means that we can offload between 30 and 50% of volume off a contact center which then means that customers can be serviced. For example, it's being applied, you know, with COVID, um, many customers can't pay their energy bills right now. So, um, you know, we can do AI-based um, payment plans. You know, um, you can just cut the customer can type, I need a payment plan. We will be able to use the data around their credit history, you know, what they owe on their bill. And then within the rules guiding the algorithms um, of AI, we can then uh, basically craft a payment plan and give that to the customer in, you know, like, you know, list less than 30 seconds, uh, which means then um, energy companies know that they're going to get paid their bills because, you know, you've spread those payments maybe over, you know, two or three months to uh, help get people through their winter energy bills. So it's been applied in many, in many ways, but mostly that sort of smart customer service and smart guided selling and, and customer engagement. Okay, thanks, Jordan. Dave talked about uh, the huge volumes of meter data as an example of the, uh, I guess, the core from the of the insights that uh, Inorts is generating. 
in your case, when you're talking about customer service, uh, metadata will be one input, but what other sorts of inputs are you using? Mm, well, metadata is actually very useful because, um, you know, and again, you just take the, the COVID world where a lot of us now are working from home. So our energy consumption patterns have changed entirely. Uh, and yet, um, I actually recently switched away from an energy company because, you know, I had this massive winter energy bill um, because I was, you know, my home is my office. And um, I moved energy companies because they couldn't do anything about it. Uh, so, um, you know, if they'd been clever, uh, and because I, I was a good customer, uh, they would have looked, seen my energy consumption pattern had changed using that energy data and have suggested proactively a better energy plan that was more relevant to the pattern that I was now on. Uh, as opposed to them expecting me to call them and try and get a better plan. Uh, and so, you know, what that, yeah, when you get a shop bill, the first thing you do is, right, it's time to shop around because clearly I'm not on the right plan anymore. And in many countries, um, uh, by, by regulation, uh, if, if you're going to lose a customer, many, many uh, uh, countries have legislated you can't do winbacks. You know, once mm -hmm. your customer's gone, they're gone. Uh, and, and so it's very important to catch those those valuable customers before they switch, um, and again, so that so that metadata is 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 all is the heartbeat of what is going on in the home um, in terms of how energy is being consumed, and uh, that that's very useful data that can be used in uh, in, uh, in in our in how our AI would uh, would recommend a different energy plan. Okay, thanks, Geraldine. We'll come back to you again shortly. Um, my final guest is our Delta EE expert on data and generating insights from data, David Trevethick. Hello, David. Hello, John. It's a pleasure to be here. And welcome back to uh, one of your uh, many contributions to our podcasts. Um, now, I'd like to start the discussion, actually, with all three of you by helping our listeners who I'm sure some of you are thinking, well, I have an idea what AI is but I'm not really sure. So if I could ask each of you to give a one sentence definition of AI and be very interested to see what you come back with, maybe. Dave, uh, let's start with you. Sure, um, I think you could describe it as computing aiming to replicate or simulate human intelligence. Um, okay. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Uh, Geraldine, how about your, your one-sentence definition? Of AI, I think um, it's interesting. You, start, you opened today with uh, Bill Gates' statement and also Stephen Hawking's. I think that AI is there to augment and help mankind, not replace and take it over. Uh, so in the same way, at the beginning of the century, you know, women used to have to wash their clothes in a washing tub and, you know, and wander down to the river. We've automated many things. And so AI has, has an ability to actually make all of humankind's lives much easier and remove the drudge tasks. Okay, thanks. Um, I'll let that qualify, Geraldine, as a long sentence. <laughs> um, David, how about yours, yourself? I might sit mine into two sentences as well. I've got a, a, a dry definition and perhaps an example or two to bring it to life. Okay. So, uh, my, my dry definition um, is around is around sort of technology that enables a machine, a, a computer, to learn by sort of taking information from its surroundings and then performing tasks that are typically uh, require human intelligence. But you know, it is all around us, and I think some common examples um, around being uh, sort of navigating a route home, for instance. Uh, product suggestions based on sort of 
past experiences uh, and sort of facial recognition for accessing your, your home. So lots of sort of visible examples in our daily lives and also stuff behind the scenes uh, in diverse categories from you know, fraud detection of our financial transactions, uh, CV screening or even spam filters on our email. So it is, uh, it is infiltrating all parts of our lives. Okay, and in terms, of, David, sticking with you for uh, uh, for a moment, when you're looking at uh, energy companies uh, across Europe and beyond, and how they're using AI, how how would you um, how would you characterise that? Can they be grouped? Can they be placed into sort of different buckets of activity? Um, are there some distinct areas in which the energy sector is starting to use AI already? Yeah, I mean, I think there are different ways of categorising it. So, but the sort of the buckets I, I put them into is um, firstly around sort of customer interaction, and secondly, this is in the energy space around uh, the so energy assets and, and asset um, utilisation, uh, and then thirdly around the sort of energy demand and, and generation analysis. Okay, and those, those assets, I guess. Uh, probably 10, 20 years ago, they would have been traditional utility assets we would have been thinking of. But now that includes uh, remote boiler diagnostics, smart thermostats, EV chargers, and a whole host of uh, new energy assets on the customer side of the meter. Yeah, no, to totally. I mean, it's um, it's on both the customer side and and the system side of the meter. I mean, in fact, the, the meter itself, um, you know, meter readings can be processed through sort of optical character recognition and deep learning techniques um, that's so, so either you know, a consumer or a, a meter reader um, can do that sort of reducing uh, sort of human error and, and wasted time but yeah I mean on the on the sort of customer side of the meter then you've got it can be used in, in different things different ways so for an individual home you've got for instance asset identification uh, such as EV charge points or solar PV through uh, sort of load profile recognition or satellite image recognition um, you could use it for acquisition, sort of targeting uh, potential people. Um, so solar PV, for instance, customers um, looking at their, um, their, their roofs uh, from the satellite imagery and, and working out the, the energy um, bill savings they could get from that, uh, for instance. Uh, and not just homes, but obviously non-residential spaces, even more um, value to be had, I think, from sort of fault detection and uh, predictive maintenance um, from, the, um, uh, from the business side. Sure. Okay, thanks. Those three buckets, I think, are useful to uh, to keep in mind: customer interaction, assets, and then uh, demand or consumption or generation analysis. Dave and Geraldine, let's come back to you both now, and um, I'd like to start by drilling down a bit into what how you're using AI. So, what what sort of things can you do with AI that you couldn't do without AI? Can you give us some sort of stark examples to help bring to life uh, the ways in which AI is enabling enabling you to do things now that you couldn't have done before? Um, Dave, we'll start with you. Yeah, so I think firstly to to look at kind of the transition of AI that we're seeing. I mean, it's it's been around for quite a long time, at least theorized since the 1950s, but it's really only in the last number of years that we're really starting to see. Uh, the exponential growth or the start of the exponential growth in AI. Um, so what we're seeing today is really just the, the tip of the iceberg in terms of what is possible. But if I take some of the work that we're doing in InnoWatts today, we, we use, we aggregate 
huge amounts of data. So we're dealing in over 4 billion uh, data points per hour. Um, we're analyzing that and we're then able to see many different and deliver many different insights. And they include, so for example, what is the general pattern of EV adoption at a uh, postcode or zip code level um, as, a, as, a, as a general insight that we can provide to our customers um, so they can understand, okay, this is um, what's going to go through this particular transformer this year and actually map it out for the next 15 years. So the, 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 that's underlying all of this really is, is the uh, exponential growth and the power of compute that we've been seeing um, that has enabled this in the last number of years. And the, the um, uh, commoditization of data centers through the many cloud service providers that we have. So they're, they're underlying fundamental aspects of it. And I guess without AI, there's no way that that 4 billion data points per hour, um, AI gives you the capability to do that and to, to look at those patterns, generate those insights. Uh, without AI, there's, there's no way you could scale a business uh, with that volume of data. Yeah, I mean, correct. It, it's as I say, it's it's really that combination of the compute and the AI coming together, um, yeah. and the the advances that we can now make in AI uh, that enable us to, as you said, analyze four billion data points in an hour. Um, and in fact, we're doing more than just analyzing those four billion data points. We're splicing them and dicing them and looking at them in different ways. So we're analyzing them maybe multiple different times for mm. different services, um, but. You know, some of the things that we're doing there are being able to, um, in similar ways that Geraldine was mentioning, uh, being able to identify patterns at an individual consumer's level and understand what their future energy demand is going to be, be able to send them uh, proactive notifications that based on patterns in their, their consumption that we're seeing combined with other environmental factors and macroeconomic data, uh, that we see that their their energy bill is going to rise in the near, near future. Uh, in fact, one of the key areas that we we provide a lot of uh, insights around was around the impact of COVID. Again, something that wouldn't have been possible with with without AI. Um, and we were able to actually proactively provide uh, adjustments into our demand forecasts that enabled our customers to uh, more rapidly adapt their forecasts as people went into mm -hmm. lockdown. And now as we look at regional lockdowns, they could adjust their forecasts more rapidly than via any traditional approach. So David, I would imagine you're not short of ideas for use cases uh, and propositions that you can develop for your utility customers from all of this data. Um, what's How challenging is it to develop those with your customers or to take an idea, a use case, a proposition from um, from all of that data and then turn that into something that you're actually taking forward with your utility customers? Uh, is it hard to get utility customers comfortable with this? Uh, where's the real challenge in, 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 these, uh, in growing these use cases? Well, there's, there's multiple challenges, um, but I think, you know, so be that from, um, obviously, the the mindset of our the the industry that we're working in, um, mm. the speed of adoption, the rate of change, um, you know, they're, they're challenges in of themselves. But then there's also 
access to quality data is a, is a key element as well that enables you to deliver these insights. Um, yeah, again, so the being able to deal with that data um, in high volume, be able to uh, deal with the data engineering aspect of it, which is just the, the how can we assure the quality of the data as it arrives in real time so that it's going to feed into the to the uh, um, the services that we provide and provide meaningful uh, valuable insights to our customers because the old saying rubbish in rubbish out yeah. um, you know is critical here um, yeah. so in terms of pr providing that to our customers the the key thing is what we provide as a starting point is <laughs> a platform and a suite of uh, of services which they can adopt day one and then you know beyond that it's a case of obviously we can partner and iterate together to develop new insights and um, provide additional value on top okay thanks thanks dave um geraldine in terms of that that challenge around the, the data in i was interested you remarking that you're partnering with sap presumably that's uh driven by the way that a lot of companies organize their data and store their data and manage their data today is through SAP. So that makes it easier for you to, to get access to that data and then generate insights from that? Cor correct. Um, although there are lots of different types of AI. Um, so, you know, you've got deep machine learning AI where, you know, you're taking huge data sets and you're gaining insights, incredibly valuable uh, AI. Uh, then then um, our type of AI is actually, well, what do you do with that data? And so what we do is we turn, we use data and turn that into what we call um, intelligent actions and outcomes. So, you know, when you start to look at AI, it's a very broad field. And there are, there, if you can look at them, they're almost like, you know, if you imagine lots of little robots doing lots of different things, you know, on the one side, you will have, um, you know, um, a, a set of um, algorithms that are analyzing data sets in order to derive insight and over, you know, billions of, of lines of data and, and reanalyzing that. Um, we, we use that data, but we also learn as we go, and we call that recursive learning. And that is often um, centered on the individual customer. Also with the customer having a, an, in, an input and also permission on how that, how that data can be used in useful ways. And so even in banks, you know, even with open banking data, you know, banks now have insight that my energy bill, go back to energy, um, mm -hmm. my energy bill is higher than normal. So banks are also wanting to provide smart checking accounts. So based on the insight that my energy bill is higher than normal, probably because of COVID and I'm working from home, going back to that earlier example, um, yeah. the bank then has the insight that your energy consumption is higher. Um, they then can go out to uh, an aggregator who actually may very well um, have um, energy plans uh, to be able to find better energy plans. And then the energy consumption pattern data can come together. So then you've got three data points that then we drive the action and outcome and orchestrate that um, either with the bank, all right, to make sure that the customer's always on the right plan and being helped or with the energy company, because the energy company is now going to be much smarter in how they're using data and not just being a traditional, you know, relatively lazy provision of energy utility, but really thinking mm. about providing the services to those customers and then, Many utilities are wanting to 
um, get into uh, what they call cross and upsell of other services because you know yeah. making money out of energy is difficult uh, today. So they want to move into telco or broadband and and and, and other services. So this is where you know um, where our technology comes in because we are able to take those 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 uh, those da those data points. Um, learn more about that customer and then turn those into useful, meaningful actions and outcomes for that customer. And so that, that's, and SAP, to go back to your earlier point, that's, um, you know, that they've got great data, but then, you know, lots of different, there are lots of great data sets out there. And coming back to my, the question I asked Dave about the challenges you see for utility or energy companies adopting the types of services that MyWave and Innowatts are offering. What's your perspective on that? What's what's stopping more adoption? Um, I think I think the adoption is happening slowly. Um, I think that um, there are, there is an, a natural inertia. Uh, I would categorise um, energy companies into three categories: uh, innovators, um, yep. who are the twenty-five percent of energy companies that are already out there doing exactly what we're talking about. Actually, funnily enough, some of the banks. Are also doing that, so you're starting to see that banks and energy companies, you know, actually do have things in common. Um, and then, uh, then mainstream um, are slowly coming along, and then there is laggards, and then that's the other 25%. So, um, so, so the so the laggards are, are well are well behind. So it's it's a classic adoption cycle, and I would say that we're in the first 25% of the innovators um, who are jumping onto this uh, early, and I'm seeing this in Australia, New Zealand, the UK, uh, you know, different parts of the world, and in fact, you know, from I guess all of us uh, sitting on this uh, podcast today, you know, we're probably all working with the innovators um, as opposed to the laggards. Um, David Trevethick, how would you, when you look across Europe and the adoption, particularly around maybe energy insights, Geraldine's characterization of that bell curve of 25% innovators, 50% mainstream, 25% laggards. Where would you see the adoption of energy insights on that, that curve? Oh, the adoption of uh, energy insights is, is, is quite broad. You know, some of it covers AI, some of it doesn't. But uh, I, I think uh, that's sort of perhaps at a more advanced stage than, than some of the other areas in, uh, uh, in, in the industry. But yeah, it's still it's still got a long way to go. Um, you know, I think it's you know perhaps past the early adopters. Uh, it's getting more mainstream. Um, you know, we've got 30 million downloads across Europe uh, of energy insights apps, for instance. Um, but you know, the energy sector, you know, as Jordan says, is a bit, you know, a bit of inertia there, a bit risk averse. Um, and you know there might be other um, issues, perhaps with some of the you know, the energy data with missing data, incorrect and estimated data that perhaps isn't so apparent in other in other sectors to, to overcome. And then of course, mm. of the customer trust and, and profit margins are sort of low relative to other industries, which might hamper some of the investment. But you know it, it's it's happening, um, but perhaps not quite as, as quickly as uh, as we might hope for. Okay, um, David, in terms of your work in AI, you've been involved for many years. Um, is there one lesson or observation you can share with us from uh, what you, you've learned about using AI in the energy sector over the last years? Yeah, sure. So first thing, obviously, with the energy sector that is paramount is uh, trust. And trust is based on uh, security. It's based on you know, execution. It's based on the ability to deliver as to what you've said. Uh, and also obviously critical is uh, GDPR when you're dealing with customer mm. data. Mm. Um, so the way in which the system is, is set up and managed uh, and being uh, at the highest levels of security and compliance 
plus uh, ensuring that we can provide uh, the the services at the right service level expectations of our customers on a consistent yeah. day in day out basis is really the critical part because when you're dealing with large amounts of data that transversing trend uh, across different systems etc being able to do that with um, whilst meeting those parameters that I mentioned mm -hmm. is really key um, and it links back again to the point I mentioned earlier rubbish in rubbish out right so if yeah. you if your platform isn't set up in such a way that number one it can it can self-monitor itself and understand uh, the status of all of the different workloads that are that are being executed including ingestion of data and to be able to monitor that data in of itself and ensure that the quality of that data as it streams in is is good and be able to handle discrepancies in real time um, that really is is uh, one of the key challenges okay so the more ways in which you can build trust um, the more success you have Geraldine yep. how about you if you can look look back at, at one lesson you've learned over the last years um, I think that um... I think that uh, the the key thing is, um, you know, the uh, people think AI means many different things, um, and this is why I sort of made that comment at the beginning on, on you know, on we need to be very clear about what you know what 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 the AI is designed to do because, as I said, they're like robots. So. Um, part of the thing that I've that I have been learning is actually how you can describe clearly to an energy company, um, you know, how, how we solve problems. Uh, for them in a very pragmatic way. So it isn't just about also giving them a data insight, but how can they use that uh, to drive down, you know, the cost to serve customers, to improve their revenues, uh, to get better customer outcomes. So how do we now apply data and, um, and AI to delivering better outcomes for people and making their employees' lives easier? Um, so they, really, that's what we've been uh, learning to do, and we've now, you know, been doing that now for several years, and um, you know, getting even better and better as companies start to see, um, you know, that this is not difficult, and it, they sh they should be doing it right now because it moves the needle on revenue and profit. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, one more question before we bring out the talk in your energy crystal ball. So, I'm curious on all three of your views. I, I might be able to guess. Dave and Geraldine, your views a bit, but to what degree do you think energy companies uh, will bring the AI will become a core competence and an in-house skill for energy companies, uh, or what do you to what degree do you think that will never be the case? And because of the specialism, the investment, the skills required, there will be AI specialists such as in what's in my wave that provide that service to energy companies so basically will it become an in-house part of energy companies or will it be provided as an outsourced service or software as a service by companies such as yourselves uh, dave we'll start with you and then geraldine and then david yeah i, I don't necessarily see it as a either or <clears throat> um but rather a, a, a partnership and uh, in some instances yes it will be 100% outsourced to companies such as such as Innowatts uh, and MyWave but um, in many instances you've got inherent expertise within the business that they've already invested in and what we mm. see with some of our customers is they 
they want to keep that. They see it as potentially yeah. a competitive advantage. Um, I think over time, that desire will will diminish um, to keep people in-house as they realize actually, um, yes, we can have a data scientist who can, can do certain tasks and obviously they'll want platforms such as InnoWatts, which enables them to define their own models and to, to, to tweak those models and tune them as, as uh, needs be within a platform that will obviously handle all of the data quality and the plumbing complexities. Um, yeah. So I think it's a uh, upfront, it's it's a both scenario, as I said, we'll, we'll see. Yeah. But I think over time that will transition more to uh, a, 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 uh, an outsource model with the expertise consolidated in platforms um, such as okay. the ones you mentioned. Okay. Um, Geraldine, how about yourself? What's, what's your view? Well, I think that um, you've got to look at what business you're in. And energy companies are in the business of actually uh, providing you know, great energy and other home services. Um, and uh, you know, obviously, you can have data scientists. Um, but, you know, you, I've seen examples where you know, IT departments will go and take a chatbot platform and try and create you know, an intelligent tool. Um, and those are all good and nothing wrong with that at all. But um, you can't, they can't replace other you know, people who do this full time for a living, you know, innovators. And so what they need to do is uh, find the right partners to partner with. Um, and all the innovation doesn't just happen, you know, in the few big, you know, sort of uh, companies that everybody knows about in the world as well. Uh, there are a lot of great, you know, small and mid-sized companies uh, also out there doing amazing things. So it's about finding the right partners to come in and, and collaborate and then using those platforms uh, to you know, because they become innovation platforms for your people to innovate, you know, and use data for your customers. In which case, then in the end, why do you do all of this in order to create value for your customers and create value for your shareholders? And so, um, th th in the end, that's what it all comes down to. And so, that's really you know why companies like ours exist to help you know create better outcomes for their customers, their their shareholders, and their employees. Yeah. Yeah, my question was a bit stark, I guess, in-house or outsource. It, it will be partnerships and a degree of both, as, as both of you described. Um, David, from your point of view, anything to add to that? Um, similar, really. I mean, I think um, you know, I think the space for both, and I think that will continue. Um, I think some big energy companies, you know, have data science teams and prefer to retain control of processes internally. But you know, there's a cost to upskilling, recruiting, and maintaining that in-house capability. Yep. So. You know, others will prefer to bring in expert partners. There's always a role for them, um, just as in any other uh, other field. And there could also be you know, the hybrid approach. So you've got, you've got an in-house team, but actually they bring in um, other sort of um, skills where, where needed to develop their um, AI thinking. Okay, well, we certainly see, looking across Europe, some energy companies trying to build this as a, a core in-house skill. Um, some have even made acquisitions or investments in firms to, to do that. So it'll be very interesting to see how that unfolds. Now, uh, let's bring out the Talking New Energy crystal ball. And I've got a new feature to it, a dual date setting. So I'm going to ask my guests for predictions for 2025 and 2030. And uh, the question is this, how would you characterize how well the energy sector is capturing the potential of AI? So let's give it a mark out of 10, where one is very poor and 10 is fantastic. Um, 
So out of 10, how well is the energy sector capturing the potential of AI? And let's go for a rating today, 2025 and 2030. Um, Dave, we'll start with you. Um, I think today, and I, I'd almost break it down into the different segments of the industry. Um, mm -hmm. And I'll, I'll focus just on the, the uh, distribution and retail side. So from a distribution side, I'd probably score in a one or two space today. And uh, on the retail side, maybe it's in the, the two or three. In fact, it kind of reflects the the um, the early adopters um, yeah. percentage-wise. As we move to 2025, um, I think we'll see the networks probably moving to a two. Uh, yeah, right. and, uh, the the uh, retail side pushing up to, to four or five um, yeah. and by 2030 you know it's probably uh, the network operators will have realized that the, they'll have to have made a significant change and it will be forced upon them in fact I think mm. you know if you look at the um, you look at all other industries which are uh, adverse to digital adoption and and let the disruptors come. I don't necessarily see that the the network or the energy industry as a whole obviously is not going to be immune to that disruption. Um, and uh, you mentioned there's some companies in Europe and in other parts of the world who are uh, energy companies who have adopted. They've been heavy adopters of technology. You know, they're more likely to succeed. Um, the same will apply in the network space. So by 2030. I think the network operators will have somewhat had to have caught up with the uh, retail side of the industry, or otherwise they'll find what happens with those who are disrupted, uh, they'll die. Yeah, or, or the regulator will force force it upon exactly. them. Um, yeah. So for the retail sector by 2030, you're sounding quite optimistic then. If it's four or five by 2025, you're pushing up to higher marks than that for 2030? Yeah, I mean, it's probably a six or a seven there, right? So it's, okay. it's uh, yeah. Um, Jeremy, I, I, I should just say, sorry. sorry, John, just to just to say there. Obviously, that's all related to kind of where AI stands today. As we move yes. forward in the next decade, we're going to see exponential growth in the. Yeah, more and more will be possible. Sure, um, Geraldine, how about yourself? Uh, look, I, I, I agree with David's um, view. In effect, I, I was, in fact, it's funny that your your ratings are almost identical to how I would be uh, rating it. I think the other the other thing as well is that you're starting to see because of the opening up of data, uh, and this is happening in banks, the the ability for energy companies to make good revenues and margins and continue to grow uh, is becoming harder and harder, and the cost to serve those customers is becoming also uh, an issue. Um, so the, the use of technology, and then you've got combined with that, you know, the next generation of millennials who are, you know, there's a massive um, uh, shift in terms of uh, them as your customers. If you don't make your changes now um, and start to sort of look at where does your energy company sit on the spectrum of, you know, innovative versus laggard, or you know, whether you're a mainstream. I'd really urge uh, that you know the energy companies to to move sooner rather than later. You don't have to go and buy you buy it there are lots of great companies out there to partner with and in fact um even you know like our technologies that i'm involved in you know we don't take the data away it actually becomes your innovation platform and your customer data and you know these become very powerful tools um to help you move your businesses forward so 
I don't understand the inertia other than the fact that, you know, people have been sitting in the same jobs for an awful long time and they, they just look at the world through what they see today. Um, yeah. And you know, we all know five years goes very fast. Just look at how quickly the last six months has gone. I know it goes very fast. And I think your point, uh, Geraldine, about the, the poor margins in commodity and the need mm. to do this, maybe mm. actually that will force the marks higher than uh, both you and Dave or Dave put forward because uh, the laggards may not exist by um, 2025, 2030. So we may left, be left with the ones that adopted this. Mm. Um, David, last but not least, how about your uh, your scores? Yeah, my scores are similar, actually. I, I, I put us right now at the start of the journey, you know, around sort of two out of ten, perhaps. Yeah. Uh, then moving forward to 2025, I thought it would be at the halfway mark, uh, in honesty, and then edging up to a, a six or seven in 2030 and seeing, you know, AI making a, a big contribution to address climate change. So violent agreement between all three of you. But I think what's also very clear from the discussion is uh, the direction in which the, the sector's moving. And um, my, my view is that um, things can be frustrating, particularly if you're in a business trying to uh, develop these kinds of uh, areas. So progress can be frustrating, but things can move very quickly. And I think this will become a necessity and something that is a, a core part of energy companies' activities in the future. So um, Geraldine, Dave and David, thanks so much for sharing your views with us and um, getting under the skin of AI and how it's being used in the energy sector today. Listeners, I hope you found that interesting and valuable and you enjoyed the episode and look forward to welcoming you back next week. Thanks very much and goodbye. If you're as passionate about the energy transition as we are, then please keep in touch. You can follow us and me on Twitter, LinkedIn, or subscribe to the podcasts on your chosen podcast platform. If you like the podcast and like sharing, then please do rate us. And to listen to archived episodes, to read transcripts, and to see the latest Delta EE insights, then please visit www.delta-ee.com. Thank you.